Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Kind of keyed in on this last week when we closed worship. I had um, just kind of this picture, this thing about the tabernacle. How many of you remember me kind of touching on that? The tabernacle of Moses, right? How many of you remember who Moses is? Okay, good. Oh, good. Moses, yeah. Let my people go, right? Okay, he had a speech impediment. This is important. This is a speech impediment. God goes to Moses, goes like, you're going to be the guy. And he goes like, God, but I can hardly even talk right. So if any of you have a fear of public speaking, you could be Moses. That's pretty phenomenal. Anyway, okay, wow. Okay, seriously, Moses was like, but, 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 but God, I can't, can't do that, that, you know. And God was like, Take the dang staff in your hand, throw it on the ground, boom, turns into a snake. Moses is like, okay. Like, you know, wow, that works. Like, pretty amazing. Track with me here. I'm going to be kind of teacherville tonight because that's kind of what I do, okay? I want you to understand context. I think the Bible is so critical and important to our everyday lives. I'm going to need water because my voice is, can somebody throw me one? Can you guys hear it already? It's already gone. But um, listen, biblical history actually has a purpose and has a point. How many of you ever heard an Old Testament story and been like, that's weird? There's like a million of them. And like, the weird ones are really weird and not even church appropriate, most of them. But, and we're not going there tonight, but there are times when I touch on some of the really bizarre ones, you know. Uh-oh, drip, drip, drip. Microphone explodes. So here's the deal. Moses and the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years, right? Remember this? Yes, they didn't really have a home. Why did they wander in the desert for 40 years? What? Because they didn't have a home, I heard, because they didn't trust God, because they, here's the deal. No, flat out, here's the deal. They just disobeyed God. What their journey, their journey from Egypt to the promised land should have taken them, I think it's like 40 days. Uh, something like that. You're talking about a million people. Seven days? Seven-day journey. James knows, okay? Very short amount of time. It took them 40 years to get there because they literally went out into the desert, disobeyed God, and they just like, God was like, okay, we're going to go this way. We're going to go until you learn how to do this, till you learn to trust me, to follow me, because all along they had a home, they just couldn't walk with God long enough to move in. And they created a pattern in their lives of disobedience and grumbling, like God would split the Red Sea, they'd walk through and be like, man, it's really hot out in the desert, maybe we should go back to being slaves and like, idiots, you know, you think now, you know, but here, like, we all look at the Israelites and be like, how did they miss it? Like, holy cow. But come on, people. We do the same thing all the time. We get a great encounter with God. We go on a youth retreat. We do this, whatever. And then, like, the devil comes with a lie, and we start going like, oh, yeah, maybe it wasn't real. Blah, 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 and I'm not worth anything. And, you know, like, depression becomes a reality for some people I really struggle with. And, like, self-image and all these lies of the enemy start creeping in. Like, you had an, you had an encounter with the Almighty God, and it changed you, and it felt, you felt something shift in you, and you snotted all over the floor at the retreat, and you didn't care that all your friends were around because God was there. Do you remember this? Then, like, 
that's like Israel walking through the Red Sea. They were like, oh, my gosh, like God is so powerful. Look, fish, poop, you know. You picture the moms and dads going, don't touch it. <laughs> you know, like the kids are all going like, look, mom, you'll pop it. Don't touch. Like walls of water, like amazing watching God move and encountering something like this over and over and over again and then turning their backs. Became a pattern for Israel that put them on a delayed path to what God had already set out for them. It wasn't that God's plan for them changed. It was just that their entry into God's plan was delayed by their disobedience and the patterns of this world. You catch this? You've heard that phrase before, I bet. But then God comes to Moses, right? Moses goes up on this mountain to meet with God, and all this cool stuff happens. God gives him these Ten Commandments, brings them back down to the people, and they're already, you know, worshiping false gods and all this stuff. And Moses is like, what in the world? You've got to be kidding me. And they have this circular thing, and then they come back to God, and then they disobey God. And it's this crazy cycle that the Israelites live in. And finally, God comes and just goes like, you know what? Here's the deal, Moses. I want to come, and I want to live among my people. That's it. I've had enough, but here's the deal. They're disobedient. They're hard-headed. They're stiff-necked. They're obnoxious. They're whiners. They're a bunch of wusses most of the time. God's saying this to Moses on the mountain. We don't have a script of all of it, but I think this is kind of what God's going like. Look, I get it. They're messed up, but I really love them, and I really want to be with them. So God gives Moses on, the mount, on Mount Sinai this pattern, this exact um, plan of how to build a place for him to come and live among his people because God couldn't just show up. If God just showed up in the middle of Israel, what would have happened to all of them? Yes. Nate nailed it. They dead. Boom. Instantaneous dead, okay? Cuz we know we know how dangerous the presence of God is to sin because it's absolutely in opposition and the power of God against sin is just like and you're the, if you're the carrier of sin, if you're lost in sin, locked in all this, you're without hope, you're without protection because the power of God is so much bigger than any sin, any temptation, or any problem. So if God would have just showed up in the middle of Israel, hey, I'm moving in, boom, uh-oh. Because they were totally, completely depraved. So God said, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to give you a pattern. Lynn, you can, or Brent, put that first picture up. Stood up. God gave Moses the perfect pattern. They're living in the desert, so give them some grace. You know, their construction skills were limited. They had to move this thing every time they moved, right? But God said, I want you to build it exactly like this. He gave them every measurement of every wall, every post, every color, every material to be used. God gave an exact and absolute pattern, the type of fabric to be used for the white walls around the outside. You notice what's different about one part of the wall. It's purple. It's royal. It was the only way in. It was prophetic. A picture pointing to Christ, the only gate, the only entry to the presence and relationship with God. This wasn't like, an, hey, let's just come up with an idea. God was like, hey, I'm going to give you a foreshadowing. I'm going to set a pattern. I'm going to show you what this looks like, and we're going to move forward. Okay, the white walls were completely impenetrable. They were very, very heavy cloth stuff. Like people couldn't just walk in and out or climb underneath. Okay, they're all tethered down, and then that thing right out in the middle of the square box with the handle like toward the front was an altar where they would regularly have to bring poor little innocent animals, lay them up on the altar, grab them by the, grab them by the, the bottom of their mouth, their snout. The priest would pull up their nose like this and with a big old sharp super knife, 
across their neck. It was very brutal. Okay? Oh, yeah. And then they'd, they'd do this up on there, and all the blood would run down all over the sides of the altar. It's very cleanly, you know, very nice. They would have to do this, and then from there, the priests would have to take in to the um, inside that taller tent in the middle. They would go into this place, and in there was this place of, it's a table with some bread on it and all this stuff. I don't have time to go into tons of detail, but the bread was describing in a picture of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. Do you remember that? Have you ever heard that before? Yes. And then also inside that, that big open room at the first part of it was a table of incense, which were the prayers going up to God. Prayers of thanksgiving that burn incense constantly. It was like the priest's job to keep, like, oh, shoot, that stick's almost gone. Let's put a new one on. Like, that was their job, to constantly have the prayers and thanksgiving of the people rising up to God. That's still applicable today. Our worship, what we just did in this room tonight, is this constant, not just on Wednesday night we show up, but our constant burning of incense before the Lord that says, God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, while you're at school, while you're in bed at home, while you're in the shower, getting ready in the morning, a soccer practice in your desk. Thank you, God. Incense. Picture yourself just burning. People will really get excited to watch you if you're burning all the time. It's like, right? You would all watch if somebody was burning in the classroom. Oh, you so would watch. Cameron would be like, ew, no, 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 come on. I have this theory, you know, most of you don't drive yet, but rubbernecking for accidents, right? Whole interstates will get shut down for an accident that's not even on the road because everybody's got to drive by at 15 miles an hour. And it baffles my mind. So you you know what I've decided to do every single time? Is as I pass that accident, I have committed myself to find out what everyone is staring at. <laughs> like, <laughs> I stare too. I don't, like, how could you not? How could you go by an accident and be like, oh, I don't even want to see it. I don't want to, it's like, I want to see the vehicle twisted. I don't want to see anybody hurt or dead. But it's just phenomenal to see tractor trailers flipped and piled. And Does anybody go like, ew, no, yuck, I don't even want to look. I don't think anybody, no. This is way off the point, you guys. Come on. Keep it on track. Okay. But here's the deal. Incense was being burned constantly, okay? So that was called the inner court. Okay, that was like the, or the holy place, sorry. It was the holy place. It was inside that tent in the middle, okay? And then right after that, like right in the middle of that, that tall tent, came a giant, huge curtain that was like 18 layers of fabric, really heavy cloth, super duper can you imagine they had to haul this thing around the desert like god was like 40 years you're gonna love this like they had to tear this down every time they went got up to move and they reset it up and carry all the materials everywhere they went crazy right but god was like look i want to live with you let's build i'm giving you a pattern i'm giving you a blueprint how to do this okay and inside that last part of the big tent was called the holy of holies the most holy place and in that was a golden box actually made of gold, really cool. Well, there was also a candle stand in the holy place. But in the most holy place was a golden box with handles on it. And in that golden box were the Ten Commandment tablets and a bowl of manna, which was the, like the food that God like, made just drop out of heaven in the desert so they could eat. Like, that's cool, right? Every day, they'd go pick it up off the ground, like clean food to eat. And every day it would show up. That's crazy. And they whined. They're like, oh, it doesn't have any flavor. It's like, that was the Israelites. You're like, oh, come on. Seriously. 
And then also in there was the branch that, or the, the staff that Aaron had that had just sprouted. It was like a dead old branch that whoops, miraculously sprouted a branch. Like, that's cool, right? So that's what was in this box. But on, and that represented the law and the judgment of God. So that was in the most holy place. But then, this is the really cool thing, and this is what Josh, Josh touched on last week too, the rice and beans, the grace and mercy. On top of that box was a cover called the mercy seat of God. And it was a golden plate that sat on top of the box and separated, it kind of like closed in, boxed in the judgment and the law of God. And it said, hey, pff, that's below. That's not the ultimate. That's not God's end goal, his end game. The mercy seat was God's end game. And on top of it were these two big angel figurines made of solid gold. Okay, they were like, you've probably seen pictures of this before. And one time a year, the high priest was the only person who was allowed to go in this holy place, the most holy place, and he would sprinkle blood from a sacrifice on top of the mercy seat, and it would guarantee the Israelites another year of their sins being covered. Not paid for, covered. The delay of the punishment of sin was pushed off by blood sacrifice. This is what happened. So God was like, this is how it all has to work, and the guys in the temple have to wear certain clothes, and they need to do this, and they have to do this. And that whole, the high priest, when he went in there once a year, he had to be like mega clean. He had to have like everything perfect, every part of what he was doing perfect. He had to do all the rituals properly. God gave a perfect pattern to walk into the absolute presence of God. And they literally, if he made one mistake while inside the Holy of Holies, this is freaky. One mistake, he was instantly killed by the presence of God because he was walking into the raw, complete presence of God and one ounce trace of sin in his life, dead, to the point that the other priests who were not the high priest would stand outside the, holy, the, the most holy place and tie a rope to his ankle and bells on the, on the rope. And the, and the high priest would go in there and while he was doing all his things, he would constantly have to stomp his foot to ring the bells to let the other guys know that he was still alive. And if they ever heard the bells stop ringing, they knew he had done something wrong and he was dead. And they'd drag his body out and make a new high priest. Who wants that job? Like, crazy, right? But this was not like this sick, disgusting, despicable God. This was a God who was holy, who wanted to be among his people, but made a way for their sins to be covered so he could live among them. And when they built this whole thing, it was really cool. God was like pleased because they followed the pattern. And who can tell me what happened? Anybody know what happened when they completed the tabernacle? Anybody know? The Holy Spirit of God in fire and smoke and like this whole tornado thing came and inhabited the holiest of holy places because God was so desirous to live among his people. Okay? This was really an incredible thing. And then every time they would have to get up to move somewhere, Right? They'd have to take down the, so the Holy Spirit would go, and they'd have this cloud, this like pillar of cloud during the day that would lead them where to go in the desert. And at night, it would turn into fire, and it would camp right outside their camp and be like, I know where you are. Light, it would light the whole camp. That's cool. Like God was just like, I'm here. I'm here. And you just like watch that every night and go like, yeah, let's go back to being slaves. I don't like are you kidding me? Like there's this crazy reality that the power of the Spirit of God came and rested on them. And then this fast forwards all the way on and finally Israel enters the promised land. They live for generations. David gets this massive, you know King David, right? He gets this massive passion to build a temple for God. 
right? He gets, he's like, we have got to build a house for the presence of God. But here's the deal. David was a warrior, had a lot of blood on his hands, had, you know, he's a man after God's heart, but had some issues. So God didn't let him build that temple. But what did David do? He prepared and brought, like he gathered materials for his entire time he was as the king. And then his son Solomon, we know that guy, right? Yeah, his son Solomon, God said, you're going to build the temple. So Solomon builds the temple, and we have this incredible, and you can put a pic- that next picture up, the temple in Jerusalem. And this was crazy. It, like, the temple is ridiculous for real, okay? And Solomon's temple to this day is the single most expensive structure ever built by human hands. It takes out, like, like whatever the one tower in New York that replaced the Twin Towers, anything in Dubai does not cost as much, you know, like trade for trade, like inflation costs and value of gold and all that kind of stuff. This was the most expensive, Solomon's Temple, the most expensive structure ever built by human hands, still, to house the presence of God. And this was this reality that the people of God lived with, and they understand that, stood that God said, this is how it works, because I want to be with you. And then we move, fast forward, Jesus comes on the scene, right? Dies on the cross, okay? Are you with me? So the presence of God is living inside that big tall tower part right there, and inside was the big heavy curtain. They made it so they didn't have to move it all the time. That's really good, okay? They made it even bigger and more beautiful. That curtain is still there. Jesus dies on the cross. Four miraculous things happened that night at the point Jesus died on the cross. Do you remember what they are? The curtain in the Holy of Holies, ripped from top to bottom. It was like 45 feet tall. Our sanctuary is 30 feet high, okay? The roof of our sanctuary is 30 feet high. So it's another half that taller than our sanctuary was that tall part in that. And the curtain from top to bottom, 18 layers of fabric thick went, that was not a couple of priests going, let's play a prank. Like, think about that. Like, seriously, can you imagine being one of the priests that's in there attending to the, you know, keeping the incense burning and all of a sudden, and you know what happens inside there. Terror. Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And at the same time, the sky goes black. There's an earthquake. We believe there might have been like a solar eclipse or whatever at that moment, okay, when Jesus died on the cross. Solar eclipse, so the sky goes black. There's an earthquake all at the same time, and this is the one most people don't remember, and I love it. It's one of the weird ones. All of the saints of old came out of their graves and walked around the city. It's in the Bible. Read it, okay? Zombie apocalypse, that wasn't some new idea by Hollywood, okay? Like, whoa. They came and walked around. The saints of old came up out of their graves and walked around the city. That'll get your attention. This was, and this wasn't like God just going like, ooh, this is going to be a scary Halloween. Like, listen, God was exercising the greatness and glory of the power and his desire to be with his people, and it was like, Stop living in this. I have a pattern for the way to live your life. And God changed it all at the cross and said, look, guess what? I ripped the curtain. I don't need a building because sin has now been paid for, not just covered. You are my temple and I'm moving in. So now that same pillar of fire, presence of God is available to go like, whoop, right in here. And it shouldn't look like a tent in the desert. It should look like the presence of God rules and reigns over your body. And God said, there's a pattern to this. We tend to be this really like 
grace-filled church. We love the grace of God. We talk about it a lot. Like God is super forgiving and he's so good and faithful. And look, like you can, you can mess up and come back to God. We love that reality. But gosh, God has said there's a pattern. Israel could always come back to God. But they delayed God's greatness and plan for their life by not following the pattern that he had given them. So while God is extremely gracious and extremely loving, God is very specific and very, um, what's the word? Precise. Incredibly precise. And yes, he created each one of you completely unique, completely different, but he didn't just take his paintbrush and go like, Cameron, Xavier, Cole, like, Whoever, like, does this make sense? Like, God wasn't just like, floppy grace, here we go. Like, God was like, Andrew. And he made a pattern for what your life is supposed to look like. And when he comes and fills it, what it's supposed to accomplish. How many of you have ever tried to build a crazy Lego set and, like, toss the book? Your stuff never comes out as good. I've come up with some pretty gnarly ships and things that I've created in my Lego days. But man, when you follow the directions and you build that Millennium Falcon set, you just go like, man, I could have never pulled that off. I would have had weird parts sticking out at different angles. It wouldn't have really been round. It would have been like, does this make sense? Like, there's a direction book that comes with your Lego set. And look, God's like, cool, free build, have a party. But guess what? When you go by my plan, when you go by the pattern I give you, oh, it'll blow your mind what comes of it, and what com- and it's not a perfect analogy, so don't be like, oh, well, God, God does want us to build freely. Yes, he does, but guess what? And he lets you, but his plan puts you on a direct track, direct path to what God has in store for your life, and he's not just like, yeah, just try whatever, man, go for it, give it a shot. Like, God's like, you can. He's really fun and really free, and he will let you figure it out for 40 years. But how many of you want to spend the next 40 years going like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. I don't know. Like, maybe I'll try this. And like, that drug looks fun. And all my friends do it. And I'll sleep with her. And that'll be like really cool. And like, you, listen to me. None of you are idiots. None of you are idiots. And all of you have a sense in your heart of what God's pattern for the way of living actually is. And God has called you into a life of what's the... H word that we use. A life of holiness. Yeah, H word. I know you had to really reach for that one, right? Listen. Listen, guys. Holiness is a reality. Holiness is matching the pattern that God has set out for your life. Now, look, this isn't a matter of Oh my gosh, I'm going to go read the Bible and I'm going to I'm going to follow all these right rules because that's what God put in the box and he put a lid on it and said, "No, my mercy is greater." It's not about following the 10 commandments on the tablet. It's like, yes, the commandments are there to help you, guide you, steer you, and still today the laws of America are founded and based on the 10 commandments. Sorry you can't refute it. But here's the deal. Doing well and loving people what like rightly and kindly and not just thinking of yourself and not stealing from people and not murdering and like hello that's common sense to our beings that we know that that's right 
But yes, God gave us a pattern, and he said, follow this. And you walk seven-day journey, right, James? Seven-day journey into your destiny, not 40 years of like, oh, well, that, I know God told me to do that, but I'm going to do this because it looks more fun right now. And God's like, cool, go. He's that good, and he's that faithful that when you decide to figure it out and come back, he'll be like, okay. But here becomes the reality, guys. There's risk in wandering. Because how many people of Israel died in the wilderness? A lot of them, right? Okay? Who was a big player that didn't even end up in the promised land? Moses didn't even make it. It could have been a seven-day journey. Forty years later, Moses was already gone and missed the promise. (sighs) Promised land. I'm not saying he was, like, ejected from the whole thing. But, look, he didn't get to live in the land of promise flowing with milk and honey and build a great and glorious temple unto God and be like in peace. He was like, okay, here we go. Pack up the tents again. So guys, here's what I'm trying to get to. I know it's like a ton of stuff and yeah, teachy. It's like education. It's like, oh my gosh, I already did school all day, Ben. Stop it. Wow, that was like a nice, nice ding. All right, cool. But listen, guys, this isn't just like school and education, and guess what? I'm not going to give you a test on what I talked about tonight. Praise Jesus, right? But that doesn't mean there's not going to be a test on it. It's, no, listen, not for me, and it's not on paper. It's called the rest of your life. Oh, oh, right? Look at me. Your rest of your life is going to be walking out going like, oops, I strayed from the pattern. God is not a God of like, like, oh my gosh, you just have to. He goes like, no, look, I really want to walk you into this because it's going to be a whole lot easier. You set me down next to somebody with a Lego set, 5,000 pieces. You hand me the instruction book and they have to figure it out on the picture at the end. They will take 40 times longer to build it than I will. That's just how it is. God is not closed-minded. God is actually quite good at planning things. And you can latch onto this reality and go like, okay, God, I actually want you to show me, lead me, guide me how to walk my life so I don't screw it up 500 times and put myself and everybody around me through misery and pain for 40 years. How about like, hey, God, I'm tracking. And we're believing and do believe in the prophetic words over this house and the youth revival that's coming, and that's what it's going to look like, and Kish started landing on this like crazy, like, come on, will you be the generation that just says, God, it's all about you. I'm done chasing all these other wonderful things around me and going for the desires of the flesh and all this stuff. Like, it really is this reality that we get stuck in the patterns of this world. And Romans 12 lands on that verse that we know very, very well. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of the desert. Right? The patterns of this world, like just doing it over and over again. Oh, yeah, sorry, God. Oops, sorry, God. Oops, sorry, God. Oops, sorry, God. But be transformed by thinking differently. By the renewing of your mind that says, like, no, God, you actually know what you're doing. And I'm just going to track with your heart. I'm just going to track with your word. What you've painted so articulately for my life, I just need to see in that. And we don't find the picture of God by chasing every whim that comes by that's like, wow, that looks like fun. We find the will of God by diving into his word and diving into his face and saying, God, better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house than anywhere else, 
forever. Where is God's courts? Where is God's house? It's right here. So the minute you get this reality that the Holy Spirit is housed up inside you and you just go like, that's me. Better is one day being you than anybody else. Like, that's good. I know. Yes. Clap. If you even paid attention. Whatever. If you're excited, clap. I don't know. It's actually you, because God did not just go like you and you and blah, blah, blah. He goes like, yeah, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. And now I'm moving in because there's a pattern. Here's the pattern. Walk your life with me. Hear my voice. Jesus was the ultimate pattern of humanity. And what did he do? He prayed and he did miracles. And he prayed and he did miracles. And he prayed and he did miracles. And then he saved us all. Whoa, how do we apply that pattern to our lives? Pray and do miracles. (laughs) Like, if you get connected with the plan and pattern of God, every time Jesus prayed, he said, God, what are we going to do? Let's talk. Let's enjoy this. Like, he just connected to the heart of God in prayer. And every single situation he went into, I don't think he was going like, oh, a crippled man, what am I going to do? I think in prayer, God gave him pictures that he knew exactly what he was going to find that day. And he walked out and said, there's the cripple guy. Get up. And he did because God had already told him it was going to happen. How about confidence? Not like, oh, I think I should pray for someone today. I don't know if it's going to work. Maybe you. Like, that doesn't feel like you connected to the God who's going to do the work anyway. Jesus was totally dependent. That was the pattern. Wake up every morning and say, God, what are we going to do today? What are you after? Who are you going to touch? Who do you want to meet? Give me their face in my mind so I know when I find them, I just run up to them and say, get out, demon. Not like, oh, I think you have a demon. Maybe we should pray to pull it out. Like, I don't know. know. I'm just guessing. Like, sometimes we live Christianity like that. It's like, oh, I'm going to pray for somebody, but it probably won't work. So I'm kind of terrified they're going to laugh at me. If you knew from God's heart what was going to happen, fear wouldn't be an element in the mix. Because there's a pattern that God says, like, meet with me, hear from me. This is how it works. And you get 100% all the time. It's incredible. Stand up. I got one verse, and then we'll pray. (sighs) I got to go to my pictures or something. Where is it? I took a screenshot. Done, done. Okay, here we go. Shh. Hear this right here. Oh, no, don't do that. Here we go. All right. On the last, oh, wow, last, my, it's puberty, sorry. Okay. On the last day of, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. It's a pattern, guys. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said. So how do you find out what the pattern looks like? Oh, it's in the Scripture and in the Father. So read his word, get in his face, find the pattern, and go like, God, what are we going to do? It says right here, whoever believes in me, as, it, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. How many of you want rivers of living water to flow from within you every single day? How would that change your school? Oh my gosh, what if the spirit of suicide was just like, 
washed out by a flood that just explodes out of your chest because you bring something so life-giving and so freeing and so, like, valuing that people go, like, oh, wow, I feel really awesome when you come close to me. That's really weird. What's going on? You go, Jesus. I know. It's like, that gets creepy, right? Do it. Just be like, I think that's a, that's a stream, a river of living water flowing out of you. So here we go. Put your hands right up here on your chest. We're going to crack open the stream of living water tonight. Prophetic act. Here we go. So if you don't know what a prophetic act is, it's when we do something in the physical that represents something in the spiritual. Okay, it's not like voodoo. Okay, it's not. It's just like, hey, Peter, step out on the water. It had nothing to do with walking on water. It was about him trusting Jesus. So he did something in the physical that represented something spiritual. So that's what we do tonight. Okay, whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his inmost being. How many of you have an inmost being? Somewhere down inside. I don't know which organ it's next to, but it's in there. Okay, so put your hands right here. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the pattern for my life. God, I want to be holy. I want to walk like you. I want to talk like you. And Jesus, you are the only way to the holy of holies, to the presence of God, that everything in me desires. So Holy Spirit, come, fill up my innermost being, that as I come in contact with people, out of my innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. No, no you got to do it again. You got to rip it open. Okay. Okay. Ready? We'll flow rivers of living water. That's good enough. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your pattern. We thank you for your love toward us, God. We pray you'd bless each one of these students tonight, God, that they would just go home filled and flooded with who you are that they'd find themselves on their knees before you, seeking your face, God, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, in the middle of a test, God. Take a prayer break and then do a miracle. Come on, God. Thank you for what you're doing in each of these students. We can't wait for the retreat. We want to meet with you in a whole big way. Come on. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.